Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Barak. Hi, I'm Rahul. Um, and welcome to our knowledge video on heart failure. Um, this can be split into two videos, so we can talk about uh, chronic heart failure. And heart failure, as you can imagine, is an incredibly uh, common topic that you need to know about for interviews. Sometimes it comes up as an isolated question. Sometimes it will come up um, as the second part to, for example, uh, an ischemia, uh, an ischemia uh, scenario and talk about heart failure and management of afterwards. Um, I think with heart failure, the important things to be aware of um, are having a good structure for the causes of heart failure, seeing a new patient with un, an unknown etiology of their heart failure, um, having a good structure for the history and the workup. The second thing is knowing the therapies, and that includes the up-to-date medical therapies and a bit about which ones are prognostic, prognostic and which ones improve symptoms. And you have to now, nowadays have a fair knowledge of the devices uh, and device therapies in heart failure and when they should be, when, are they, when they're indicated. Um, I, think the, I think the final thing to say is that it has come up in the past um, where they show you clips, very small clips um, of um, echoes. So I think, uh, for example, like a dilated cardiomyopathy. And so you don't need to have an extensive echo knowledge and please don't spend too long on this, but you should just know how to appreciate the four standard views and what a, a bad ventricle and a good ventricle looks like. I think that's a, is, it's a fair thing to ask, ask of you guys and they have asked that in the past. So um, yeah, without further ado, I'll let Rahul uh, take away. Thanks, Barak. Um, and yeah, so what this video will cover is basically everything you should really need to know about chronic heart failure uh, for the interview. Uh, we'll start off with some definitions and classification to give us a bit of background. So heart failure in itself uh, is a clinical syndrome characterized by signs and symptoms caused by a structural or functional abnormality of the heart, which essentially results in elevated intracardiac pressures or slash and inadequate cardiac output to meet the metabolic demands of the body, either at rest or, or on exercise. Um, so that's the basic definition, which is important to appreciate um, because it helps you understand basically correctly diagnosing heart failure. Uh, now there are various subclassifications of how, how you can classify heart failure and also uh, based on their severity. The one that we'll use today, because these seem to change from time to time, uh, is the ESE classification, which has remained in place for a while. So heart failure with reduced ejection fraction is essentially importantly signs and symptoms of heart failure with a left ventricular ejection fraction of less than 40%. Heart failure with a mildly reduced ejection fraction is again, signs and symptoms uh, of heart failure and a left ventricular ejection fraction of 41 to 49%. And the key difference between these two is the evidence base for a lot of the treatments is slightly less in the mildly reduced group. There's just been fewer randomized controlled trials, um, but principally the treatments are the same. Um, but we'll talk about that um, later down the line. And then finally, you have heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. So again, signs and symptoms of heart failure with a left ventricular ejection fraction of greater than or equal to 50% and evidence of some sort of structural or functional abnormality consistent with left ventricular diastolic dysfunction. So the key points here, uh, which relate back to the definition of heart failure is you need to have signs and symptoms of heart failure 
Um, and there needs to be some sort of structural or functional abnormality. Uh, and if there's no evidence of either of those two, it's not heart failure. Uh, so you may have, your, let's say, uh, fluid overload, but no signs of cardiac dysfunction. And that could be something like chronic liver disease, chronic kidney disease, hypothyroidism, a protein losing enteropathy. So that's why it's important to appreciate the, uh, the, the, sorry, the definition of heart failure. And there are further classifications, which we'll just touch on to make you aware of, left-sided v. right-sided heart failure, chronic or established heart failure v. versus acute heart failure, and high output cardiac failure. Um, just to put a bit of clinical context into this, um, and just to show the importance of heart failure, um, it affects around 1% to 2% of adults, but really the prevalence increases with age. 10% of over 70s are affected. And there are a lot of underlying causes, which we won't go into kind of extensive detail in this video, but consideration of these causes is very relevant when you're demonstrating your diagnostic workup for heart failure, which we'll talk about next. Uh, before I go on to do that, Barrick, any other thoughts to add? No, I just think you did it, um, covered it all really nicely. Uh, the only thing <clears throat> uh, I might say with respect to causes, Again, you don't need to have an exhaustive knowledge of all the different causes of heart failure. What's most important is that you have a structure for the different types of causes. Um, and so, you know, we go through this a lot on the course, but for example, uh, for cardiology, for cardiology issues or cardiology presenting complaints, we think about sometimes breaking up into structural, um, arrhythmic and ischemic. And that's not an unfair way to do it for heart failure as well. There's so many different ways to classify but that's one thing you could use structural you could think about alcohol dcm uh babble issues and um, almost could be their own separate thing and the rhythmic like arvc or incessant pt uh, and then ischemic which is fairly straightforward so just have a structure uh, that you can hang the, the majority of the common causes of heart failure on i think it's fair to say yeah i think that's that's a really nice one and it, it, it's an easy one to remember and you can cover enough information to show that you know what you're talking about in an interview. Um, great. So we'll move on to the investigations and diagnostic workup for chronic heart failure. So we start off with a history, um, and I'm sure you'll be aware of a lot of this, so we won't go into excessive detail, but symptoms of heart failure can include breathlessness, paroxysmal nocturnal dyspnea or thopnea, and with that a nocturnal wheeze or cough, uh, bloating, this is all related to fluid overload, bendopnea, which is breathlessness on leaning forward, uh, exertional chest pain, palpitations, syncope, cachexia is a, is a common one, fatigue and ankle swelling. And these are important questions to ask when you're uh, trying to diagnose someone with heart failure. And it's also important to screen for other risk factors to ascertain potential causes. So history of diabetes, cholesterol, smoking, hypertension, family history of heart disease. It's also important to do a thorough systems review, trying to screen for multi-system diseases that may be contributing or causing. Um, and your drug history and social history are also very important. So asking about things like have had chemotherapy treatments, do they have excessive alcohol, do they take recreational drugs, all potential things that could be contributing to the diagnosis. Following on from the history, if you move on to examination, um, now observations such as blood pressure are very important. Do they have, uh, are they, do they have significant hypertension causing heart failure? 
are they tachycardic their heart rate do they have a tachycardia induced cardiomyopathy or, or paradoxically are they bradycardic um do they have signs of heart failure? So signs of right-sided heart failure, such as pedal edema or sacral edema, a raised JVP, pulsatile hepatomegaly. Do they have signs of left-sided heart failure with your bilateral and spiratory crackles on auscultation of the lungs? Do they have evidence of left ventricular hypertrophy with a heaving apex beat or left ventricular dilatation with a displaced apex? Are there any valvular pathologies with on auscultation picking up any murmurs? Is there a gallop rhythm suggestive of heart failure? They are the things that you would consider important in a, in a, in a heart failure examination workup. Moving on from that, just some basic tests, routine tests that you do in everyone. So you'd start off with some bedside tests, so a 12 lead ECG, uh, looking for evidence of any arrhythmias and also any structural abnormalities. And the, and the important thing to consider is if the ECG is completely normal, this makes a diagnosis of heart failure a lot less likely. So it's a good screening test. And sticking on that theme of bedside blood tests, uh, sorry, bedside tests, a urine dipstick would also be relevant in the right clinical context. For example, investigating for infective endocarditis. If there's proteinuria, that in itself is a, a poor prognostic marker. Uh, and also may uh, be suggestive of other diseases such as a nephrotic syndrome. Um, uh, you then perform some blood tests. So, for example, if you perform a full blood count, you may be looking for an anemia uh, or rarer things like an xenophilia, which may be suggestive of a, a chronic uh, disease um, uh, of multi-systems disease. Uh, kidney function, so that would be important as a baseline. And also your electrolyte markers are prognostic markers in heart failure if you're hyponatremic, for example. Um, you'd want to test their liver function. So do they have a cholestasis compatible with hepatic congestion? Uh, you'd want to test iron studies. Uh, again, this is uh, iron, being iron deficient is an is a important thing to optimize in patients with heart failure. Um, and again, thinking about underlying causes, you test their thyroid function, an autoimmune screen if, if suggestive. Uh, you'd want to investigate for their vascular risk factors, the HbA1c, their cholesterol, and if indicated, uh, you may want to uh, do a urinary catecholamines or a plasma metanephrines for if the history is suggestive of something like a pheochromocytoma. And lastly, but not least, uh, a BNP, which, um, as you may know, is very sensitive, however, not specific and can be raised due to of various different causes. Um, one thing I thought would be nice to cover today is times where BMP isn't so sensitive, i.e. when it's not raised in the context of heart failure. And this can be in cases of acute heart failure and acute flash pulmonary edema, where there's essentially not been time for ventricular stretch and release of the natriuretic peptides. Also in very advanced end-stage heart failure cases, you can have an abnormally normal BMP. And also in obesity, um, you can also find a normalization of the BMP. And the last kind of uh, key, well, last two key, key tests you do on all heart failure patients, transthoracic echo. So that's to assess the cardiac function. So that's diagnostic. And it also provides prognostic information. So how severe the heart failure is and also helps screen for potential underlying causes. So... Do they have regional warm motion abnormalities suggestive of an ischemic process? Do they have valvular pathologies? Is there an evidence of a, a cardiomyopathy? And so on. And the last thing I think, which is a good thing to do in all uh, heart failure patients, a chest x-ray. 
factor? Is there evidence of uh, chronic changes, cardiomegaly, or is there evidence of decompensated heart failure? And that would be your routine baseline tests. We're now going to talk about a few further specific tests where clinically relevant, but I'll pause there. Any, anything, anything to add, Balric, to, to that battery of tests? Uh, no, that was incredibly extensive. Um, and yeah, as we're all saying, like, you obviously won't be able to go through all of those in your, uh, in your answer, but just picking out a few of them to show that you have that kind of depth to your knowledge, not just saying, I'll do some blood, some screening blood. So you need to say a, a few that you're looking for. I really liked um, some of the ones you include there, especially iron studies. I think a few nice points to draw out iron studies, and you can say, uh, because iron overload can be a cause of heart failure, but um, iron, defici iron deficiency is something we uh, should treat in heart failure because it has prognostic uh, and symptomatic benefits. Um, the other thing I might pull up in my history, which I think gives you like a level five out of five answer, is just getting an understanding for whether they've, what their weight is now, if, they, if, if they're conscious enough to weigh themselves and what their weight is now compared to what it is normally before they, before they started getting these symptoms. And that just gives you... Uh, as the uh, physician, an idea of how many litres they need to be diuresed already in your head. And it conveys to the examiner that you know exactly what you're talking about when, with respect to heart failure, because it's the number one thing that we look at, which is their, uh, their daily weights or how their weight fluctuates. Um, yeah, I think that's the... Oh, and I, I actually really liked your point about the, uh, the causes of a normal BMP in the setting of heart failure. Uh, so falsely normal BMP. Uh, yeah, that's really good. Uh, yeah. yeah, and actually that your point about daily weights and you know that five out of five, actually I think that that's triggered in me a thought also assessing how it you know it affects their functionality in their life and, and demonstrating yeah. that holistic mindset uh, as a physician uh, again would be a good discriminating point. Even framing it like if you can frame it into your history, like I'd like to understand that MYHA class. Yeah. That's perfect <laughs> yeah. and on to the next yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah no more need to be said yeah so so that information is uh, as Barrett mentioned uh, what we described there was a lot and you, it would be difficult to fit that into to an answer we'll show you worked examples but uh, the point being that you're just demonstrating what you need to cover uh, and putting that message across succinctly which will come with practice and, and to, to be fair it, it has to be said that in that in the interviews, uh, they may give you a particular case. They won't give you hypertension, and then may lead you down uh, a slightly esoteric cause of hypertension, which has previously happened. And same for heart failure. They may, so you may you do need to know the causes. Like you do need to know that iron, low, iron overload can cause hemochromatosis and cardiac failure because of that. Because they may lead you down that path. Um, so you can't just you do need to have this depth, depth of knowledge. So go away and do the reading. Exactly. Um, okay, so they're your routine tests for a workup. You know, if you see a heart failure patient, you need to know the underlying diagnosis and that provides that. But there are a few specialist tests that you may need to do where clinically relevant. So we'll go through those now. The first one is cardiac monitoring, and that provides both diagnostic and prognostic information. So diagnostically, if you're concerned, let's say, about a tachycardia-induced cardiomyopathy, this would be a good way to capture that if not present at rest. Um, it also provides prognostic inf information. So let's say there are runs of tachy or bradyarrhythmias associated with heart failure. That's a poor prognostic marker. So let's say in, in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, runs of non-sustained SVT 
is a very important prognostic market. Uh, another uh, potential investigation uh, process would be coronary artery assessment if there's a suspicion that ischemic heart disease is an underlying cause. Um, and further information about the types of assessments uh, that we, you can use, we've discussed in the ischemia knowledge video, uh, but options include things such as a CT coronary angiogram, functional imaging testing, and all the way to an invasive coronary angiogram. Uh, imaging, further imaging related to that, uh, that can provide a lot of information diagnostically and prognostically is also cardiac MRI with late gadolinium enhancement and T1 and T2 mapping. And this can be diagnostic or suggestive of certain underlying causes, such as a myocarditis, a dilated cardiomyopathy, an infiltrative disease. Uh, but also it can provide very important prognostic information. So, for example, the presence or absence of myocardial scarring. Um, and and the my, myocardial biopsy is another potential specialist test. And this is a procedure that has risks and it's only really indicated if the thought is that the diagnosis will affect the management. So for example, in the scenario of a rapidly progressive heart failure, despite standard medical therapy, this may be considered by an MDT. And finally, genetic testing may be indicated if there's a suspicion about inherited cardiomyopathies. So that's a bit about uh, some kind of more specialist tests. Uh, anything you want to expand on there, Barry, before we move on? Um... No, I suppose one thing I'd say is that the two things, the two specialist tests there that you mentioned that invariably get done for all heart failure patients are A, coronary assessment, and B, cardiac MRI. Um, and the cardiac MRI is actually more and more an absolute staple of uh, looking at heart failure. And the you don't know too much about cardiac MRI at uh, the level of the, at the stage of the interview, but I think it's useful to know that the phrase cardiac MRI with late, late GAD enhancement. Um, essentially, the late GAD just highlights area um, areas of scar, um, which is important because different scar patterns uh, mean different pathologies. Uh, I definitely won't go into the different types of scar patterns there, but uh, that's, I think, just relevant to know. And I think if you can get across that level of knowledge interview, that's really quite impressive for, a, for an ST3 who wants to be an ST. Uh, cardiology ST4 um, and you're right the biopsies uh, are very very rare um, and yeah cardiac monitoring most patients probably will get a 24-hour holter um, and genetic testing yeah again depends on the situation yeah I think this thanks Barry. I think it nicely highlights the fact that there's a lot to learn for this interview and um, one needs to just appreciate how much you need to know for interest it's always good to, to yeah. read read about more things but but, but don't concern yourself with too much subspecialist stuff for this, at least, um, yeah. would be the point. Uh, okay, so now we'll talk about tre 